Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is something that we do. I'm encouraged to do it. And when the Lord tells me to stop doing it, We'll stop doing it, but for now, this is what we do. It's kind of like a prayer. It's a declaration, and it's a prayer to ready our hearts for God to speak to us through the message today. Okay, let's hold them up. You ready? You ready? You ready? My wife's got a big, heavy one, so it's kind of hard. She has to use two hands. She keeps every single note from the last 25 years just in there somewhere. Let's hold them up. Come on, let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. A strong Christian life is the result of a strong relationship with Jesus that is built by applying spiritual disciplines to daily living. Let me say it again. It's a mouthful. A strong Christian life is the result of a strong relationship with Jesus that is built by applying spiritual disciplines to daily living. Living. Now, I want you to know, first and foremost, we are not talking about working and applying disciplines so that we're in the family of God or so that we can go to heaven. We're not talking about working for our relationship. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. Now that we're in the family, the Bible shows us some spiritual disciplines that God has given us so that we can learn to apply them. And as we do, our relationship with Jesus gets stronger and stronger. And as our relationship with Jesus gets stronger and stronger, we become stronger and stronger as Christian men and women. Can somebody say, I agree with that? Does that make sense? Now, I've always said this throughout this series, that uh, every great meal has to have a great recipe. Isn't that true? Um, and every ingredient in that recipe is uh, important. If you start pulling out major ingredients, your final product isn't going to be what you anticipated for it to be. You can tell if something's missing, and you can just tell. It's, it just doesn't taste. Oh, man, that, that cake doesn't have any sugar in it. Oh, no, right? Throw it back. And that, who wants that? I mean, somebody says, no, I'm vegan, Pastor Rob. I'm organic. Don't give me any sugar. Okay, I'm not talking to you, the 1% in the building today. But you know what I'm trying to say. Well, listen, in some ways, your relationship and my relationship with God is like that. God's given us these spiritual disciplines, and they're like spiritual ingredients. And we begin to put them or apply them into our life 
our life begins to be shaped and formulated in such a way that our relationship with Jesus is getting stronger, and then we're becoming stronger and stronger and stronger in our relationship with God. As men and women of God, we're solid, and we, we have a strong relationship with Jesus, and we're not just tossed around by the ways of the world, and we're not in fear, and you know, it doesn't mean we're perfect, but listen, we are strong, and we're getting stronger in our relationship with God. God desires for every one of his kids to have a strong relationship with him. So that's why we've been on our series, building a strong Christian life, developing a passion for spiritual disciplines. Come on, let me get some participation this morning. Be bold. What is an example of a spiritual discipline? Anybody want to say it? Come on, give me one. Prayer. That's a spiritual discipline. Excellent. What could be another example of uh, spiritual discipline. Reading your, Bible. Reading your Bible. Amen. Or listening to your Bible app, right? Amen. Good, David. What's another example of a spiritual discipline? Anybody else? Giving, right? Financially, giving. Fi so those are just three examples. We've gone through nine of them already, and this is a tenth one. Let me say this. I think this one's my favorite. This one's like a key that unlocks all of the other nine that we've talked about thus far. And it's so important. And I think it's a key that a lot of us probably haven't heard about or kind of studied or looked into a little bit deeper. Let's start by looking at the book of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 10. And these are the words of Jesus. He's speaking to some of his followers, some of his disciples. And this is what he says in Matthew 10, 28. Jesus is speaking. And this is just as applicable for us today as it was for them when they heard it straight from the mouth of Jesus. He says, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. So Jesus was speaking to his followers and he tells them, don't be afraid of people. See, you're going to be preaching the message that I've given you, and there's going to be a lot of people who receive the message, but there's going to be a lot of people, and maybe even more, who don't receive the message, who don't receive the messenger, who might want to persecute you, who might want to harm you, who might want to say bad things about you. But listen, don't be afraid of humans. Don't be afraid of men. If you want to be afraid of anything, be afraid of God because he's the one who's not only uh, able to hurt somebody if he needed to or if he wanted to. That's not God's nature. But in other words, be afraid of the one who's in control of everything and even control of your eternity, whether it's in heaven or in hell. That's what Jesus is trying to emphasize here. Don't be afraid of people. Let's be afraid of what God says. As a matter of fact, let me speak about that a little bit. The word uh, fear, <laughs> it's the Greek word phobio, P-H-O-B-E-O. -E and that's where we get our word, English, phobia, right? To be afraid of whatever, fill in the blank, heights, insects, spiders, arachnophobia. That's a fear of spiders, I think. I, Yolanda has arachnophobia. She does not like spiders, right? For sure. But here's the interesting thing about that word. That word means to be afraid or to be so afraid that you're, you're put to flight, like you run away. But the other side of the coin means awe or reverential fear. 
So it's, it's, a, it's to be afraid, but to have a reverential awe or a reverential fear of God. That's what he's talking about. So for just a few minutes, I want to talk to us about developing a passion for the fear of the Lord. For the fear of the Lord. And this is an important topic. Um, look at Psalm 25 with me. Psalm 25, 14. It says this, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. He will show them his covenant. What do you mean? Am I supposed to be afraid of God? Am I supposed to be afraid of the Lord? Well, there is a biblical, healthy perspective for us when we talk about the fear of the Lord. And I want us to see that today. I want us to, to be able to understand it from a biblical perspective, not because God's trying to hurt us or God wants us to be afraid of him, but there is a healthy perspective, a healthy a biblical view of the fear of the Lord. I found a video, and I want to invite this video in. It's a minute and 53 seconds long. And I want us to listen to this guy give us kind of a nutshell version of the fear of the Lord. And then I'm going to show us a few things that I think we need to see to apply to our lives as it pertains to the fear of the Lord. Let's play the video for us, please, real quick. <clears throat> Maybe you've been reading the Bible or heard a pastor say something about the fear of the Lord and thought, fear God? Why would anyone fear God? I thought God was love. Well, the fear of the Lord is a familiar phrase all throughout the Bible. It certainly doesn't mean to be scared of God as if he's some unpredictable loose cannon. However, contrary to what some have been taught on the other side of the spectrum, the fear of the Lord doesn't just mean to have a healthy respect of God. The fear of the Lord means so much more than either of those. Hebrews 12, 28, and 29 offers a balanced perspective saying, Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. When you teach young children about fire, you generally wouldn't teach them that fire is something only to be scared of. If you did, birthday parties and campfires would be a nightmare. No, fire, when properly understood, offers beauty like in a candlelit service, or great usefulness like heating our homes or cooking our meals. To fear the Lord starts with understanding Him correctly. God is all-powerful and all-knowing. He is love and he is judge. For the unbeliever, the eternal judgment of God for sin is something to be genuinely afraid of. For the believer, remembering that God will lovingly discipline us in order to teach and correct us when we wander from his will, that discipline is also something we should fear. Job understood this balance well when he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. We are to fear the Lord not because we are scared of God, but because we understand his power and his response to sin. To fear the Lord is to revere God because of his character and to worship him in all because of his love. And that's today's Bible Munch. Does that make sense, church? I thought that was a great synopsis of the fear of the Lord. So we don't have to be afraid of God. However, if we haven't become born again, we haven't received Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, there is a healthy fear there too because God is the eternal judge. And one day, if we're not saved, we stand before him and we don't have Jesus and the blood of Jesus to have covered us and to have forgiven us from all of our sin. But for those of us that are in the family of God and we've received Christ as our Savior, we don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to be afraid of standing before God without a Savior because we have one already. So here's the first point I want to make today. It's a mouthful, but I think that it's balanced and I think that it's applicable. Listen to this. So point number one, the fear of the Lord 
is to revere God because of his character and worship him in awe because of his love. Listen to it again. The fear of the Lord is to revere God because of his character, who he is, and to worship him in awe because of his love. Now, I do want to emphasize when I say worship, I don't want us to think that, oh, you're talking about on Sunday morning, like what we did this morning when we sang. That's just a small part. Really, the word worship means to bow down your whole life to him. We worship him when we're changing the, the, the diapers on the baby for a new mommy. We're worshiping him when daddy's working at hard uh, work to provide for his family and everything in between. For the Christian, the worship to God is our lifestyle. It's not limited or regulated to singing songs on Sunday morning. So keep that in mind. The fear of the Lord is to revere God because of his character and worship him in awe, like you're in awe because of his Love. Notice Psalm 25, 14 again. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Listen to this. If we knew that all of our secret thoughts and words and actions would be displayed publicly so that everyone could watch them and evaluate them, it would make a profound difference in the way we live, wouldn't it? I know it would for me. We have an instinctive concern about what others think of us and how they will judge the things that we do. If we have this much concern over what other men and women think of us and our actions, how much more should we be concerned about God's evaluation of our thoughts our words, our actions, our attitudes, and our motives. That's part of understanding the fear of the Lord. Now listen, I want to say this. We have this uh, study guide that we've made available. There's some in the back. It has this message in there. Keep this in mind. I can't go through all of that in this 30, 40-minute message. There's a lot more in the study guide that I'm not even going to cover today. So just keep that in mind. If you're in your study guide and you, you see me or hear me talking about something that's not, that, not in there, that's okay. There's some things in there that I'm mentioning that are not in there and vice versa. So just don't get tripped up. Look at Matthew 12, 28 and 29. Excuse me. That's Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. It's not Matthew I'm certain of that. This is what it says. He mentioned it. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. Listen to this. With reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So there's this acknowledgement that we need to serve God because we're part of this unshakable kingdom of God in the earth, and we need to serve him with reverence and godly fear. What does it mean to be in reverence towards someone? It means to have a respect, a deep, heartfelt respect for someone. Uh, when When we sing the national anthem, usually at a ballpark or a professional sporting outing, what does everybody do? They stand up. Out of what? Out of respect for our country and for the flag, right? How much more we should revere our great and awesome God, right? So we should have this reverence and godly fear. Again, this reverential fear and awe because of who he is and because of his love. Again, Psalm 25, I want to go somewhere with that verse. It says, the secret of the Lord 
is with those who fear him. The word secret is very much so what we would consider it to be. It means a secret, intimate consultation. And the word refers to an inner circle of meeting or individuals where private details are shared. I wrote this down. The greater my reverence for God, the greater my revelation from God. Revelation is kind of a big Bible word. But what I mean by that is the more that I revere God, the more that I reverence him, the more that I have this healthy reverential fear for God, I respect him, I honor him. And the closer that I move to him, my relationship with him, what happens is when we're praying and when we're studying our scriptures or we're in a small group and studying the Bible together, he begins to give secrets to his kids. In other words, he begins to show you things and speak into your heart and into your mind through the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit, secrets between you and him, things, counsels, insights, understanding that you would not have received had you not been revering God and stepping into a deeper relationship with him. Kind of like your BFF. You have a best friend forever, right? The more that you get to know them, the closer that you grow in relationship with them, the more intimate you become with them and you know them, they begin to share things with you that are only for you and them. They're between the two of you. Well, think about that supernaturally in the spiritual realm. When you go into a relationship with God and you begin to revere him, I begin to spend time with him in the morning with my coffee. I'm reading a devotional. I'm reading my Bible. I promise, I promise, I promise, and you've experienced it. God's by his spirit begins to show things and share things with you that you wouldn't have discovered, heard, seen, realized, had you not pressed into that relationship with him. True church or not. And the reason why you're pressing into that relationship with him is because you're developing this reverential fear for him and you know that he has all the answers, he has all the solutions, and he wants to share those with you in secret. So it's so important that we realize that. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. If you don't have any reverence for God, You're not going to develop any time with him. You're not going to invest any time with him. You're not going to come to services. You're not going to crack open your Bible. You're not going to pray. You're not going to. But when you have a reverence for someone, you have a reverence for God, what do you do? You slice out some of your time that he's given you and you begin to invest that. The more that you do that, the more he begins to download into your heart, your mind, your spirit, and the more that he helps you. It says that he wants to show them, those people who have reverence for him, he wants to show them his secret. The word show them, it means that he wants you to know them. He wants you to learn them. He wants you to perceive them. He wants you to grasp them with your heart and with your spirit. This shows God as a God who's not trying to keep things from his children. He's trying to reveal things to his children. But the more that his children revere him, the more that his children get to know him and press into them, those revelations become more frequent They become more pronounced and they begin to direct your life and show you things about who you are and your relationship with him. As a matter of fact, this goes on and says he will show them his covenant. The word covenant means promise. It's another word for a contract. When you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you enter into a covenant with him. Like a marital covenant forever, far more superior to that in a spiritual sense. You enter a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. And this says that when we revere him and we press into him, he begins to show us things, these secrets about our covenant relationship 
with Jesus. And as you do that, he begins to show you things about Jesus and how the things and the promises that are made available to people in Jesus are applicable to your life and how he'll work in your everyday living. God doesn't want you to just go to heaven when you die. He wants you to experience a relationship with Jesus while you're alive. Amen? And so we don't want to get so religious and we just think of God on Sunday or on Easter or on Christmas and we're just going to heaven. No, 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 no. Far more than that. He wants to help you and me in our everyday living and we have this covenant with him. The Old Testament was the old covenant. It got supernaturally upgraded in Jesus through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And now he wants to show you more of Jesus, who he is, his promises, his blessings, his power, his victory. And the more you revere God, the more he's going to show you those things, and the more Jesus is going to be a very present help in anything that you need him to help you with. Amen? Here's a second point I want to make. If you're taking notes, you can jot it down or jot it in your heart. Here it is, point number two. The fear of the Lord is full of benefits and blessings. Benefits and blessings. Say those two Bs with me. Come on. Benefits and and blessings. The fear of the Lord is full of benefits and blessings. Let me show you some of them from the Bible. Proverbs 10, 27 says this, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Have you ever known someone I'm not judging people. I can just kind of tell by the way they're living and the things they're doing that they're not in the family of God. The Bible calls people wicked who are not in the family of God. Or sometimes Christians can have wicked ways. That's not for us. We want to avoid wicked ways. But people who aren't serving God, sometimes lives get cut off. Sometimes lives aren't lived out. The fullness of the days that God had prepared for them. Somebody might say, oh, but Pastor Robert, I thought, you know, God knows when everybody's going to die and when it's, you know, when their number's up, their number's up. Well, listen, not everything that happens in people's lives is God's will. Oh, that's, how could you say that? Because God wills things for people that they don't want to step into, and because they don't step into them, what he wills for them never happens. And so this is saying the fear of the Lord, this reverential awe and love and respect for God, it can prolong someone's days on the earth. Amen. It can give them a long life. Psalm 91 says you will be satisfied with long life. God wants us to live a long life. And the more that we revere him in all of our ways, the longer our life can be. Look at Proverbs 19.23. Here's another benefit and blessing. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it, the fear of the Lord, will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Come on. Anybody ever hear that song? I want. Come on. Rolling Stones. I can't get no. Thank you so much. Somebody knew the song better than me. Right? I can't get no. Satisfaction. You know, a lot of people live with that. No matter what they do. Let's be honest. No matter how much money you make. No matter how nice a car, no matter how nice your bed is, you know that there's professional athletes, there's movie stars, they got a $15,000 bed, they can't get no sleep. Why? Not satisfied. There's no reverence for the Lord. When we revere God and we begin to honor Him and put Him first in our life and keep Him in the middle, 
We live life, the life that God has for us, and we experience this deep-seated satisfaction. We may not have everything we want. We may not have the nicest car, the nicest clothes, the nicest anything. This is all temporary anyways. But listen, there's a satisfaction in here that nobody can take. No matter what's going on in the world, how shaky it might get, how dark it looks, there's this satisfaction and there's this life of God for the person who's learning to walk in the fear of the Lord. Here's another one, Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Wisdom, is, according to the Bible, is finding out what God has to say and then knowing how to apply it to your life. That's the wisdom of God. And this says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want wisdom for your life, wisdom for your marriage, wisdom for your career, wisdom for raising your kids, what does God say and how do I apply that to the different areas of my life? It starts with a reverence for God. Boy, I wish I knew this when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I mean, I would have just been spared of so much heartache and trouble if I would have knew this kind of stuff. But as we revere God, he begins to give us wisdom, nuggets of truth from the Holy Spirit, from God's word that teach us how to live in such a way that avoids all kinds of craziness in this life. And that comes to a person who's learning to fear God. The Bible's just chock full of these blessings and benefits for the people who fear the Lord. Look at Proverbs 22.4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Riches? Oh, we're getting controversial now. Listen. God cares about your finances. He cares. He cares about our finances. He doesn't want us to put finances before him. But he wants for us to have our needs met. And I'll be bold enough to say this. There's other scriptures say he wants you to have more than just your needs met so that you can be a blessing to people who have needs. Amen. Has anyone here besides us ever been the recipient of somebody else blessed and helping us feed our need? Come on. Amen. All of us, right? How does that happen? That happens when people move on people's, God moves on people's lives. And okay, we, we've got plenty. We're good. Well, let's share. Let's share. And sometimes we give from our scarcity and we give in faith anyway. But that's because a person is learning to revere God. And every time we do that, he supplies. He replenishes. He meets our needs. Riches, honor, and life. The greatest thing that we can do is to learn to have a healthy reverential fear of the Lord as his children. Pastor Gill, our senior pastor, would say that his father was a, uh, let's see, how would I put it? He just, he believed in the stars and stripes. He loved his boys. Pastor Gill has two brothers and his, his dad was a strong, brawly man. But, but he, he, he loved his boys. He loved his boys, and the boys knew that dad loved them. And they had this reverential fear for him. And they loved him. But they knew when they got out of line, daddy became very patriotic. And he just believed in stars and stripes. He would take out his belt, and those boys would see stars and stripes if they got out of line, Right? <laughs> I'm joking, but listen, in all seriousness, they had this deep reverential love for daddy. They weren't afraid of daddy, 
unless they stepped way out of line because then daddy got very patriotic. It's kind of like that. We don't need to be afraid of God. But there's this healthy fear that I have. Listen, if I step way out of line from over here, because the Bible says now I, I stepped out of his covering and his protection, I'm out over here and I'm a target for the enemy. I'm outside of God's will. I'm outside of God's best. I'm outside of God's truth. I'm over here living in la-la land where, where it's not safe. And something happens there. I'm afraid of that. I don't want to be there. I want to be over here with daddy. Amen. That's a reverential fear for God. And it's healthy. It's something that we should learn to develop. Let me keep going. Let me ask this question. So we saw some benefits. We saw some blessings. I'm just asking the question. Do you think that there are consequences for the child of God who choose to not reverence the Lord? You think there are consequences? Yeah. I don't think that they're always from God. I think the enemy gets his hand in there sometimes, right? Because we stepped out. But I think there are blessings and benefits, but I think there's also some consequences. So it's very healthy for us to embrace this and to see that there could be consequences when we choose to not live in a life. Just just taking what we've covered this morning, think about some of the consequences. Not real bad, but bad enough. Listen, we miss out on what God wants to reveal to us in our relationship with Jesus. That's a consequence. We need to hear and know about our relationship. How about not living in all the days that God has for us on earth? That's a consequence. How about not experiencing life the way God intends for us? That's a consequence. How about living unsatisfied? That's a consequence. How about a lack of wisdom from God? That's a consequence. There's consequences if we choose to not live in this healthy, reverential fear of the Lord. Let's continue. Point number three, and then I'm going to get close to wrapping up. Point number three, we're talking about having this passion for a healthy fear of the Lord. Point number three, this is really important. I must develop the fear of the Lord in my life. I must develop. Say develop. Come on, develop. Now, I want to be real, real clear. The word develop is defined as taking something from dormancy or infancy to or towards fulfillment. Develop. Taking something from infancy or dormancy. It's there, but it's dormant. And we want to take it to or towards fulfillment. So we want to be developing ongoingly this reverential fear from the Lord. Somebody might think, oh, but Pastor Robert, you're a pastor or you've been a Christian for, how do I, I'm just starting or I've only been and how am I going to do, I can't, I can't develop a fear. You can, you can. Let me tell you why I know you can. This is something the Holy Spirit showed me. It's not going to be on your notes, but if you have a Bible or a Bible app, look at Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. By the way, if you've got a pen or a highlighter or a paper, uh, uh, something to mark this with, you want to mark it because it's so powerful. It was so encouraging to me. Everything in our relationship with God comes through Jesus. It doesn't come by my own effort. It doesn't come by my own wits. It doesn't come by my own wisdom. It doesn't come by my own education. It comes through Jesus. Everything comes through Jesus. Isaiah 11, verse 2, it's a prophetic scripture about Jesus, and this is what it says. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. 
His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Did you know that you can develop the fear of the Lord so much so that it becomes a delight to you? Pastor Robert, that's talking about Jesus, not me. Listen, listen. Let's go back to the basics. When you receive Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that God places you in Christ. You're in Christ, and Christ is in you. So many of the characteristics of Christ now are put in you. For example, the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you ever heard of that? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faith, self-control. That's something that the Holy Spirit of Christ, who's in you, has put in you and produces in and through your life. It's not through your own efforts. It's not through my own efforts. It's something that comes as a result of Jesus in us. The same thing when it comes to the fear of the Lord. Listen to it again. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord is on Jesus. And it goes on and it says, His delight is in the fear of the Lord. If you read the scriptures, Jesus had a reverential fear for Heavenly Father. Jesus had a reverential fear for God. And because you're in Jesus and Jesus is in me, and we're in Him, He's put in us this ability to have a reverential fear for God. He'll never ask you to do something without giving you the supernatural power and ability to do it. Can somebody say amen? That's a good message right there. It's the grace of God in you that will help you to develop this reverential fear of the Lord that comes with so many benefits in your relationship with God. So what have we learned today? Real quickly as we're closing, the fear of the Lord is to revere God because of his character and worship him in awe because of his love. Number two, the fear of the Lord is full of benefits and blessings. And number three, I must develop the fear of the Lord in my life. So Pastor Robert, what could I do like today when I leave to begin to develop the fear of the Lord? I think there's a lot of things that we can do, but I'll just mention one or two of them, okay, that will help you. The very first thing that I would suggest is that you have to slow down and you have to get along with God. First thing. By the way, that will take work because life is so fast. You are being pulled from the very moment you open your eyes and you're not even out of bed yet and thoughts, <sighs> pressures, challenges, decisions that need to be made, Bills that got to be paid. Aaron's, are you with me or is it just me? I mean, you're still laying in bed. You're not even, your feet haven't even hit the floor yet. Your mind's already racing. And then you get up and you go through your life and you got all, all kind of stuff. And have you noticed that our world isn't getting easier and slower with technology? It's getting faster and more complicated. However, if we'll make a decisive decision to slow down, Take some of the time that God's given you and invest it with him. Grab a coffee, go to a coffee shop or have your coffee at home or if you don't do coffee, whatever your favorite drink is or your bowl of cereal. And, and if you're married and if you have kids, wow, what a blessing to have, have a, a spouse and you have kids. You can say, honey, just so that I can stay sane and grow closer with God, you watch the kiddos for me for 
30 minutes. And I'm going to go over here, the other room. Don't let the kids knock on the door. Don't distract me. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to get my Bible. I'm going to get a pen. I'm going to get a notepad. And I'm going to talk to God, and I'm going to let him talk to me. That's the very first thing that I suggest you should do. If you'll do that one thing, what happens there is you got the truth of God's word. you got the Holy Spirit working through that truth. And now he's going to begin to speak to your life. He's going to begin to renew your mind. He's going to fill you with hope. He'll show you the areas that you need to adjust if there are any. And you'll be on your way to developing reverential fear from God. For God, you will. I promise. Just focus on that one thing. Slow down. Get with God. And work on your relationship with him. There's other things we could do. But once you start doing that really, really well, the Holy Spirit will show you some other things you can do. Amen. Isn't that true, Jackie and Joy? How many years have you been doing that? 40 years. Two. <laughs> 40 years they've been getting with God. Listen, it makes a difference, church. A healthy, reverential fear for God is full of blessings and benefits. Have you been encouraged by the word of God this morning? I hope you have. Let's stand to your feet and let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for giving us the privilege to gather in freedom, to worship Jesus, to develop our relationship with you, God, help us to never take that for granted. Right now, in other parts of the world, Ukraine, for example, that privilege has been stripped from so many people. So many churches have been destroyed. So many church buildings have been just demolished. So many people have been displaced from their fellowship, from their home churches, from their neighborhoods, from their pastors from brothers and sisters in the Lord. God, help us to have such a reverence for you that we don't take gathering together for granted. Such a privilege to be able to worship you freely without being worried about missiles or bombs or warriors walking our streets. Such a privilege to be able to gather in the name of Jesus and to lift our hearts to you and to pray and to ask you to help us, God. Help us never take that for granted. And Lord, right now, we lift up all of our brothers and sisters who have been displaced. Millions of them have been displaced from Ukraine. Lord, we pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, just as it is in heaven. Lord, we can't understand everything that's happening over there. We can't understand why it seems like for a season, evil is winning. But we know at the end of the day, you're the sovereign judge. You're the sovereign ruler. And one day we know that Jesus Christ will reign forever and ever and his government will be established and there'll be a new earth and a new heaven. So for right now, God, we just lift up all of those brothers and sisters that have been displaced. We pray that you would fill them with a supernatural joy from the Holy Spirit that transcends all of their natural and earthly problems, Lord God. We pray that you would comfort those that have lost loved ones and family members and friends and children in the streets over this war. Lord, we pray for the Holy Spirit to minister peace. Lord, we lift up every missionary that's over there right now spreading the gospel. 
every ministry that's over there right now that's helping them in their need. We lift up every government official that's helping all of those people that have been displaced. We pray that you would supernaturally provide everything that they need to minister to all of these families and all of these children, God. We lift them up to you. And Lord, as we leave today from our gathering, I pray that the Holy Spirit in his grace would help us to develop this reverential fear for you. And we could walk closer than we ever have before with Jesus Christ, our loving, wonderful Savior. God, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, let me just mention this as you're leaving. We have a lot happening at our church because we have three campuses. Go to our website, website and stay familiar. If you have an email, you can sign up for the newsletter. We can shoot it to you so you know what's going on. God bless you. We love you. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy the weather. We'll see you soon. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.